Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Think It Ain't Illegal Yet. I'm your host, St. Clinton. On this show, we'll be playing some poetry, spoken words, and other things about political and social issues going on around the world, both past, present, and future, which will hopefully make you think. I don't know, everybody just doesn't know where to go. They won't let, everything is blocked off. You can't even, they're telling us to get out, but there's nowhere to go. Ground zero, 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 zero. Two towers, two towers, two towers, two towers. Manhattan, Manhattan, Manhattan. World Trade Center. September the 11th. An attack on civilization. Ground zero, The United States of America is on a coast to coast state of alert. Conflict and fear. Destructive intentions of our enemies. War against civilization. New York. Two towers. Manhattan. World Trade Center. September the 11th. An attack on civilization. Innocent lives taken that terrible morning. New York. God bless the victims, their families, and America. Catastrophic day for the United States. Freedom Tower. Freedom Tower. Freedom Tower. Zero. Find the people behind this and bring them to justice. The Queen has expressed her disbelief and total shock at the events in New York and Washington. 50,000 people work in those towers every day. I just watched the place that I go to work in disappear before my eyes. Ash and debris is inches, feet deep in places. Suspected terrorist attacks um, have destroyed one tower of the World Trade Center in New York. The other second tower has also collapsed, and the Pentagon building in Washington is on fire. Huge clouds of dust and rubble engulfing much of central Manhattan. There will be a psychological impact on America today. This is really the ultimate uh, symbolic terrorism act. New York. Terror on the streets there in New York. You sort of have this feeling that something else is going to happen. Ground zero. Manhattan in a state of shock, one would imagine, this morning. One of the most wonderful sights was looking out onto the Twin Towers. The New York skyline changed forever. Its most famous, its most visible landmark, gone in a puff of smoke and rubble. Terror on the streets there in New York. People in the streets desperately trying to get to pay phones, to, to um, cafe and restaurant phones so they can call friends and relatives and tell them that they were still alive, that they had survived this. Manhattan. Another anniversary is observed. To carry out any one of these attacks would be almost unbelievable. Uh, within the United States itself. September the 11th, two towers. Innocent lives taken that terrible morning. Ground Zero. There are quite frightening eyewitness reports 
of people in the floors and below at the site of impact from the World Trade Center towers jumping from the windows uh, to try and get out of the building um, and people on the ground screaming every time another person uh, tried to leap from the building to escape this blast. World Trade Center, Manhattan, New York. New York, New York, nowhere is safe. Nearly 3,000 people were killed that day. When those towers collapsed, there would have been hundreds, if not thousands, of members uh, of the fire department, the police department, ambulance workers uh, on the ground below there. Many of those may well have died there. This place will always be sacred ground. Somewhere in that finely sifted heap of debris are the remains of my missing brothers. Missing brothers. Missing brothers. Missing brothers. Destructive intentions of our enemies. Even psychopaths have emotions if you dig deep enough, but then again, maybe they don't. The criminal justice then, and still today, is very much like a factory. The cases go down the assembly line and everyone does their part. Police officer arrests the individual, district attorney files the case, the lawyers get together with the judge, they craft the sentence, and probation then comes in and oversees it.
because of the pre-established norm that your fingers stuffed down my entangled esophagus erect with both enunciation and empathy. Cause I made contact with my eyes, shallowly smiled wise, spread my lips to utter superficial insincerities. Hi! Good afternoon, how are you? My name is Amanda and I'm here for a three o'clock with Dr. Schaefer. My friends laugh at me. I make no excuses. My students laugh at me. I tell them I'm bilingual and that's something to be coveted because if the end of the world came and classism, racism, and privilege still reigned fixed with fictitious facts, fabricated fallacies, and a forged prejudice unforgiving to the children of captivity. Uh, I'm good. Uh, I'm alright. I don't know about y'all, but you might want to assure yourself some financial security and nice. 401k retirement package because you deserve to kick back and take it easily especially after benefiting from the exploitation of scores of people land and other animals for your astounding affluence and you can choose ignorance what i ain't even know if these words really made sense when i wrote this poem and in the numerous times like this when i have no clue what's going on what's being discussed but there's potential sister girls that go around i'ma fake it till i make it because while i might be lively unaware of anything relatively financial for social classes above work and my knowledge in other areas extends further than global oppression and human exploitation in the name of profit and to be honest it's a miracle that i delivered this without stuttering as i struggle to maintain under the burden that is representing the weight of my entire race it's exhausting to attempt to use every encounter with you as a we're not all on Maury infomercial and you know what no judgment to those of us who are shout outs do you live your life Steve Wilkos and Jerry Springer don't even have the playing field but no one expects their patrons to rep a whole people they're thrown out on Wednesday nights like sidewalk trash and everyone else just keeps it pushing so do you boo boo and as I struggle to maintain under the burden that is the weight of representing my entire race, I must say it is exhausting. But still I play. Because I fear left to your own vices and demands you'll take my enthusiasm for idiocy, my dialect for dysfunction. Don't do me like that. so much. I am still fired up and ready to go. Thank you. Thank you. Well, first of all, I want to congratulate Senator Clinton on a hard-fought victory here in New Hampshire. She did an outstanding job. Give her a big round of applause. A few weeks ago, no one imagined that we'd have accomplished what we did here tonight in New Hampshire. No one could have imagined it. For most of this campaign, we were far behind. We always knew our climb would be steep. But in record numbers, you came out and you spoke up for change. 
And with your voices and your votes, you made it clear that at this moment, in this election, there is something happening in America. There is something happening when men and women in Des Moines and Davenport, in Lebanon and Concord, come out in the snows of January to wait in lines that stretch block after block because they believe in what this country can be. There is something happening. There's something happening when Americans who are young in age and in spirit, who've never participated in politics before, turn out in numbers we have never seen because they know in their hearts that this time must be different. There's something happening when people vote not just for party that they belong to, but the votes, the hopes that they hold in common. That whether we are rich or poor, black or white, Latino or Asian, whether we hail from Iowa or New Hampshire, Nevada or South Carolina, we are ready to take this country in a fundamentally new direction. That's what's happening in America right now. Change is what's happening in America. tonight, all who put so much heart and soul and work into this campaign, you can be the new majority who can lead this nation out of a long political darkness. Democrats, independents, and Republicans who are tired of the division and distraction that has clouded Washington, who know that we can disagree without being disagreeable, who understand who understand that if we mobilize our voices to challenge the money and influence that stood in our way and challenge ourselves to reach for something better, there is no problem we cannot solve. There is no destiny that we cannot fulfill. Our new American majority can end the outrage of unaffordable, unavailable health care in our time. We can bring We can bring doctors and patients, workers and businesses, Democrats and Republicans together, and we can tell the drug and insurance industry that while they get a seat at the table, they don't get to buy every chair. Not this time. Not now. majority can end the tax breaks for corporations that ship our jobs overseas and put a middle-class tax cut in the pockets of working Americans who deserve it. 
We can stop sending our children to schools with corridors of shame and start putting them on a pathway to success. We can stop talking about how great teachers are and start rewarding them for their greatness by giving them more pay and more support. We can do this with our new majority. We can harness the ingenuity of farmers and scientists, citizens and entrepreneurs to free this nation from the tyranny of oil and save our planet from a point of no return. And when I am President of the United States, we will end this war in Iraq and bring our troops home. war in Iraq, we will bring our troops home. We will finish the job. We will finish the job against Al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. We will care for our veterans. We will restore our moral standing in the world. And we will never use 9-11 as a way to scare up votes because it is not a tactic to win an election. It is a challenge that should unite America and the world against the common threats of the 21st century terrorism and nuclear weapons, climate change and poverty, genocide and disease. All of the candidates in this race share these goals. All of the candidates in this race have good ideas. And all our patriots who serve this country honorably But the reason our campaign has always been different, the reason we began this improbable journey almost a year ago, is because it's not just about what I will do as president. It is also about what you, the people who love this country, the citizens of the United States of America can do to change it. That's what this election is all about. That's why tonight belongs to you. It belongs to the organizers and the volunteers and the staff who believed in this journey and rallied so many others to join the cause. We know the battle ahead will be long, but always remember that no matter what obstacles stand in our way, nothing can stand in the way of the power of millions of voices calling for change. We have been told we cannot do this by a chorus of cynics. And they will only grow louder and more dissonant in the weeks and months to come. We've been asked to pause for a reality check. We've been warned against offering the people of this nation false hope. 
But in the unlikely story that is America, there has never been anything false about hope. For when we have faced down impossible odds, when we've been told we're not ready, or that we shouldn't try, or that we can't, generations of Americans have responded with a simple creed that sums up the spirit of a people. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. was a creed written into the founding documents that declared the destiny of a nation. Yes, we can. It was whispered by slaves and abolitionists as they blazed a trail towards freedom through the darkest of nights. Yes, we can. It was sung by immigrants as they struck out from distant shores and pioneers who pushed westward against an unforgiving wilderness. Yes, we can. It was the call of workers who organized, women who reached for the ballot, a president who chose the moon as our new frontier, and a king who took us to the mountaintop and pointed the way to the promised land. Yes, we can to justice and equality. we can to opportunity and prosperity. Yes, we can heal this nation. Yes, we can repair this world. Yes, we can. And so tomorrow, as we take the campaign south and west, as we learn that the struggles of the textile workers in Spartanburg are not so different than the plight of the dishwasher in Las Vegas, that the hopes of the little girl who goes to the crumbling school in Dillon are the same as the dreams of the boy who learns on the streets of L.A. We will remember that there is something happening in America, that we are not as divided as our politics suggest, that we are one people, we are one nation, and together we will begin the next great chapter in the American story with three words that will ring from coast to coast, from sea to shining sea. Yes, we can. Thank you, New Hampshire. Thank you. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this is St. Clinton here. Are you a poet or a spoken word artist? Would you like to have your tracks played here? And send it in an audio format too. Poetry at sanddunradio.com Poetry at sandunradio.com And we'll add it into the rotation Oh yeah Thank you Well thank you so much I am still fired up and ready to go
Thank you. Thank you. Well, first of all, I want to congratulate Senator Clinton on a hard-fought victory here in New Hampshire. She did an outstanding job. Give her a big round of applause. You know, a few weeks ago, no one imagined that we'd have accomplished what we did here tonight in New Hampshire. No one could have imagined it. For most of this campaign, we were far behind. We always knew our climb would be steep. But in record numbers, you came out and you spoke up for change. And with your voices and your votes, you made it clear that at this moment, in this election, there is something happening in America. There is something happening when men and women in Des Moines and Davenport, in Lebanon and Concord, come out in the snows of January to wait in lines that stretch block after block because they believe in what this country can be. There is something happening. There's something happening when Americans who are young in age and in spirit, who've never participated in politics before, turn out in numbers we have never seen because they know in their hearts that this time must be different. something happening when people vote not just for party that they belong to, but the votes, the hopes that they hold in common. That whether we are rich or poor, black or white, Latino or Asian, whether we hail from Iowa or New Hampshire, Nevada or South Carolina, we are ready to take this country in a fundamentally new direction. That's what's happening in America right now. Change is what's happening in America. tonight, all who put so much heart and soul and work into this campaign, you can be the new majority who can lead this nation out of a long political darkness. Democrats, independents, and Republicans who are tired of the division and distraction that has clouded Washington, who know that we can disagree without being disagreeable, who understand who understand that if we mobilize our voices to challenge the money and influence that stood in our way and challenge ourselves to reach for something better, there is no problem we cannot solve. There is no destiny that we cannot fulfill. Our new American majority 
can end the outrage of unaffordable, unavailable health care in our time. We can bring We can bring doctors and patients, workers and businesses, Democrats and Republicans together, and we can tell the drug and insurance industry that while they get a seat at the table, they don't get to buy every chair. Not this time. Not now. majority can end the tax breaks for corporations that ship our jobs overseas and put a middle-class tax cut in the pockets of working Americans who deserve it. We can stop sending our children to schools with corridors of shame and start putting them on a pathway to success. We can stop talking about how great teachers are and start rewarding them for their greatness by giving them more pay and more support. We can do this with our new majority. We can harness the ingenuity of farmers and scientists, citizens and entrepreneurs to free this nation from the tyranny of oil and save our planet from a point of no return. And when I am President of the United States, we will end this war in Iraq and bring our troops home. war in Iraq, we will bring our troops home. We will finish the job. We will finish the job against Al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. We will care for our veterans. We will restore our moral standing in the world. And we will never use 9-11 as a way to scare up votes because it is not a tactic to win an election. It is a challenge that should unite America and the world against the common threats of the 21st century terrorism and nuclear weapons, climate change and poverty, genocide and disease. All of the candidates in this race share these goals. All of the candidates in this race have good ideas. And all our patriots who serve this country honorably But the reason our campaign has always been different, the reason we began this improbable journey almost a year ago, is because it's not just about what I will do as president. It is also about what you, the people who love this country, the citizens of the United States of America can do to change it. That's what this election is all about. That's why tonight belongs to you. It belongs to the organizers, 
and the volunteers and the staff who believed in this journey and rallied so many others to join the cause. We know the battle ahead will be long, but always remember that no matter what obstacles stand in our way, nothing can stand in the way of the power of millions of voices calling for change. We have been told we cannot do this by a chorus of cynics, and they will only grow louder and more dissonant in the weeks and months to come. We've been asked to pause for a reality check. We've been warned against offering the people of this nation false hope. But in the unlikely story that is America, there has never been anything false about hope. For when we have faced down impossible odds, when we've been told we're not ready, or that we shouldn't try, or that we can't, generations of Americans have responded with a simple creed that sums up the spirit of a people. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. It was a creed written into the founding documents that declared the destiny of a nation. Yes, we can. It was whispered by slaves and abolitionists as they blazed a trail towards freedom through the darkest of nights. Yes, we can. It was sung by immigrants as they struck out from distant shores and pioneers who pushed westward against an unforgiving wilderness. Yes, we can. It was the call of workers who organized, women who reached for the ballot, a president who chose the moon as our new frontier, and a king who took us to the mountaintop and pointed the way to the promised land. Yes, we can to justice and equality. Yes, we can to opportunity and prosperity. Yes, we can heal this nation. Yes, we can repair this world. Yes, we can. And so tomorrow, as we take the campaign south and west, as we learn that the struggles of the textile workers in Spartanburg are not so different than the plight of the dishwasher in Las Vegas, that the hopes of the little girl who goes to the crumbling school in Dillon are the same as the dreams of the boy who learns on the streets of L.A. We will remember that there is something happening in America, that we are not as divided as our politics suggest, that we are one people, we are one nation, and together we will begin the next great chapter in the American story with three words, 
that will ring from coast to coast, from sea to shining sea. Yes, we can. Thank you, New Hampshire. Thank you. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this is Sane Clinton. I just wanted to drop in real quick and say thank you for listening to this show. Whether you listen through iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Plus, Player FM, or any other way, I just want to say thank you. Yeah. In dreams, some of us walk the stars. In dreams, some of us ride the whelming brine of space, where every port is a shining one, and none are beyond our reach. There is much you have to learn. You must explore. You must reach out. Go to your home. Go and give thought to the mysteries of the universe. And in other news, early reports... An international effort is the only way forward for interplanetary exploration. The plan is to build up a semi-permanent lunar base. And work has already begun on a spacecraft that would take astronauts back to the moon and on to Mars. Strain. The monstrous assurance of this race of puny bipeds with overblown egos. The creature who calls himself man. He believes he owns the earth. And every living thing on it exists only for his benefit. up a semi-permanent lunar base. NASA is at a crossroads. The shuttle is due to retire in just four years' time. So what does the future hold for manned exploration of space? And will we ever see astronauts set foot on Mars? Looking good. It's going good. We're getting great pictures here at NASA Control Pasadena. The landing craft touched down on Mars 28 kilometers from the aim looking at a remarkable landscape, littered with different kinds of rocks, red, purple. How about that, Bermuda? Fantastic. Look at the dune field. Wait, I, I'm getting a no-go signal. Now I'm losing one of the craft. Hey, Bermuda, you getting it? I lost contact. About a dozen And I lost the second craft. We got problems. All contact lost, guys. Maybe the antennas. What's that flare? See it? Green flare coming from Mars. Kind of a green mist behind it. It's getting closer. You see it, Bermuda? The light is somewhere other than this Earth. No one would have believed in the last years of the 19th century that human affairs were being watched from the timeless worlds of space. No one could have dreamed that we were being scrutinized as someone with a microscope studies creatures that swarm and multiply in a drop of water. Few men even considered the possibility of life on other planets. And yet, across the gulf of space, 
minds immeasurably superior to ours, regarded this earth with envious eyes. And slowly and surely, they drew their plans against us. And remember, this time, it's not the terrorist act that changes the world from bad to worse. This was the bad decision of the electorate during those times when they made bad decisions. The people who voted for Donald Trump were either evil or cruel or insane or, you know, just sort of um, stupid and willing to destroy the entire world, which is interesting, too, because, you know, when they vote for Trump and, and his you know, nefarious agenda, they know they're going to be killed. So there's still a lot of people who aren't quite sure they're all in with what's going on. But there's a lot more people than there used to be who think maybe that's okay. Because the conflict, the internal conflict the United States faces during this time period is going to prevent us from working in the benefit of the national interest. And so, how on earth are you ever going to make America great again without the killing power of a real Armageddon? Now, obviously, this was crazy, right? And yet you have to understand that if that's what public opinion is like, if you wanted to win an election, you want as best as possible a candidate who's willing to exploit this idea that somehow death is exactly what we need from giant plagues that wiped out millions or a civil war to expend lives on a scale that was unprecedented and to create armies that were enormous. That's stunning, right? But that's kind of how they thought. You know, sometimes when you're trying to create a new world, you have to utterly destroy the old one. And as crazy as it sounds, there were even public speeches about this, which should have been a sign of things to come. And yet, we're told that people watching enjoyed the spectacle. Take, for example, the first of the Republican uh, primary debates, where now you have candidates running on platforms where racism and, and, and separation and all these things were kind of what they were selling, but nobody cared. People were fed up enough to ignore the racism. And Donald Trump got up there in front of the world, buck naked, and he said, quote, God has opened my eyes. Now I am given power over all the nations of the earth to chase away the godless, to appropriate their houses and their money. None may remain alive in Zion, but those who can offer the Father a pure and pleasing worship. 
To a man, the rest would die of lethal punishments. God the Father wants an exterminator of men to chase away the godless if the nation is not willing. The only way to preserve the righteous from the contagion of the impure is to sweep them from the face of the earth. So all the great, intelligent, educated people of this age, they must perish by the sword of the righteous. You cannot stop me. And you can see uh, the genitals of the prophet that day in front of the crowd. And, oh my God, they're small. Which was, you know, um, upsetting. But he was right about Judgment Day approaching. Because look what happens to anyone that even offers a shadow of contradiction to this guy. While all this is going on, next to the stage are three large cages that look like transparent telephone booths, if anybody can remember what telephone booths look like anymore. Cages that held the bodies of three men whose only crime was to simply question what this prophet was pushing. And they are stuck in those cages. Each one gets their own cage and they get to be tortured to death for eight days. And there's lots of people in the crowd who've come to watch. They aren't terrified. They're ecstatic. They feel like they are blessed to be there. They were going to usher in the new age. And so when Trump made the comments about them all being sent to their deaths with him, they said, quote, uh, okay, end quote. And... After this pivotal speech, 2,000 Donald Trump supporters show up with a true sense of what makes America great and go off running toward the city, screaming and shouting and charging. And these peasants go on a rampage. There's no other way to describe it. To me, it's like the Benny Hill show, high-speed film in my mind's eye, playing yakety sax as directed by Quentin Tarantino. It's bloody, it's horrible, and yet part of you still can't help but laugh that the prophet who knows what God wants is Donald Trump. I mean, this is a guy that's like half Charles Manson and half Exodor from Mork and Mindy. Just ridiculous. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this is St. Clinton here. I just want to drop in real quick to give a shout-out to some of the listeners on the show. There's Poet Soul 30, Raising Vibrations, Stutter C, Creative Culture SW, Miss Taylor Ray, Noble Series, Star Fox 55, Kuwaiti British, Leslie Wood, Beatrice, Lauren 2000, Monica Renata, Ryder Die, Ember Gleams Music, Music Means Life, Milk No Sugar, Ishani Jasmine, Awesome Music, Prince Raymond, DeVille Stone, Patron Saints of Pop Culture, Jay White, 
D angelic poetess and there's so so many more if you'd like to shout have me shout you out just leave a tweet to sand doom radio oh yeah now back to the show i come from a slave father not grandfather a slave father born in eastern north carolina in 1843 escaped from slavery in 1858 a contemporary co-fighter with Frederick Douglass, Harriet Tubman, John Brown, Sojourner Truth, and William Lloyd Garrison for the freedom, not only of the Negro people, but of millions of white workers caught in the same serfdom as their black brothers and sisters. So are brothers and sisters from Mexico, the Philippines, from the lands of Asia, from the West Indies, from Latin America, have come to these shores to share the same fate. And all through our history, the working masses, colored and white, speaking many languages, representatives of the finest of the old and new world cultures have had to fight every step of the way for a decent wage, for decent homes, for decent education for their children, for human dignity itself. And during the few moments that we have left, we want to have just an off-the-cuff dance between you and me, us. We want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. We all agree tonight, all of the speakers have agreed that America has a very serious problem. Not only does America have a very serious problem, but our people have a very serious problem. America's problem is us. We're her problem. The only reason she has a problem is she doesn't want us here. And every time you look at yourself, be you black, brown, red, or yellow, a so-called Negro, you are you represent a person who poses such a serious problem for America because you're not one. Once you face this as a fact, then you can start plotting a course that will make you appear intelligent instead of unintelligent. What you and I need to do is learn to forget our differences. When we come together, we don't come together as Baptists or Methodists. You don't catch hell because you're a Baptist. And you don't catch hell because you're a Methodist. You don't, you don't catch hell because you're a Methodist or a Baptist. You don't catch hell because you're a Democrat or a Republican. You don't catch hell because you're a Mason or an Elf. And you sure don't catch hell because you're an American. But if you were an American, you wouldn't catch no hell. You catch hell because you're a black man. You catch hell, all of us catch hell for the same reason. So we are all black people, so-called Negroes, second-class citizens, ex-slaves. You are nothing but an ex-slave. You don't like to be told that. But what else are you? You are ex-slave. You didn't come here on the make power. Discriminate. 
But once we all realize that we have a, this common enemy, then we unite on the basis of what we have in common. And what we have foremost in common is that enemy, the white man. He's an enemy to all of us. I know some of you all think that some of them aren't enemies. I will tell you. In Bandung, back in, I think, 1954, was the first unity meeting in centuries of black people. And once you study what happened at the Bandung Conference and the results of the Bandung Conference, it actually serves as a model for the same procedure you and I can use to get our problems solved. At Bandung, all the nations came together. They were dark nations from Africa and Asia. Some of them were Buddhists. Some of them were Muslims, some of them were Christians, some of them were Confucian, Confucianists, some were atheists. Despite their religious differences, they came together. Some were communists, some were socialists, some were capitalists. Despite, despite their economic and political differences, they came together. All of them were black, brown, red, or yellow. The number one thing that was not allowed to attend the Bandung Conference was the white man. Once they excluded the white man, they found that they could get together. Once they kept him out, everybody else fell right in and fell in line. This is the thing that you and I have to understand. Rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners, will they be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood? I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream my four little children one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day down in Alabama with its vicious racist, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification. One day right
fucking world. I wouldn't succeed Ask me if I really thought that I could make it to pin Suck my heart back in You had to take it to win Made it my end goal Who would've known that I would face Every demon in the depths of my soul Too focused on reality To study in class Withdrew from that But I knew that math Was never in my favor So I saved the gas So purpose for my soul Cold blackening my thorns Smell the smelting X's That my mind would soon control Annihilate them all Alcohol abuse and neglect While my classmates Bust over the way for a check Bad nation on my mind I used to rough it every day So my heart longed to stabilize And see it in that way I remember that Barely making it to class Cause my parents chose